Welcome to The Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today we get to see Job respond to Zophar in Job chapter 12. Then Job answered and said, No doubt you are the people, and wisdom will die with you. But I have understanding as well as you. I am not inferior to you. Who does not know such things as these? I am a laughingstock to my friends. I, who called to God, and he answered me. A just and blameless man am a laughingstock. In the thought of one who is at ease, there is contempt for misfortune. It is ready for those whose feet slip. The tents of robbers are at peace, and those who provoke God are secure. Who bring their God in their hand? But ask the beasts, and they will teach you. The birds of the heavens, and they will tell you. Or the bushes of the earth, and they will teach you. Or the fish of the sea will declare to you, Who among all these does not know that the hand of Yahweh has done this? In his hand is the life of every living thing, and the breath of all mankind. Does not the ear test words as the palate tastes food? Wisdom is with the aged, and understanding in length of days. With God are wisdom and might. He has counsel and understanding. If he tears down none can rebuild. If he shuts a man in, none can open. If he withholds the waters, they dry up. If he sends them out, they overwhelm the land. With him are strength and sound wisdom. The deceived and the deceiver are his. He leads counselors away stripped, and judges he makes fools. He looses the bonds of kings and binds a waistcloth on their hips. He leads priests away stripped and overthrows the mighty. He deprives of speech those who are trusted and takes away the discernment of the elders. He pours contempt on princes and loosens the belt of the strong. He uncovers the deep out of darkness and brings deep darkness to light. He makes nations great and he destroys them. He enlarges nations and leads them away. He takes away understanding from the chiefs of the people of the earth and makes them wander in a trackless waste. They grope in the dark without light, and he makes them stagger like a drunken man. This is the word of the Lord. So Job's response begins with snark or sarcasm, however you want to phrase it. Uh, No doubt you are the people. Now what people is he referencing there is hard to say. Uh, It could be a reference to the beginning of Zophar's speech, uh, back to verses 2 and 3 about how a man could could speak and should they remain silent. And so now Job's almost flipping it around. You know, you've spoken. Should I be silent because you have spoken? Or it could be a reference to verse 12 of chapter 11 where Zophar makes the comment about how a, a stupid man will, will have wisdom or understanding when a donkey gives birth to a man. And so thus Job saying, calling his friends here stupid. I don't know what the direct referent is, but those are a couple of possibilities there. It's certainly a snark remark, uh, and you get it with the second part too. Wisdom will die with you. That's kind of like saying, what will we do without you? I mean, when you're gone, where will we turn? We'll have nothing left. You can hear the sarcasm just dripping from that sentence. I have understanding as well as you. So Job is learned, just as they are, I am not inferior to you. Now, in fairness, they never actually called him that. They were trying to point out his sin. It's probably been the big thing. Who does not know such things as these? So 
Job actually, by and large, just agreed with a lot of what they said with that one line right there. Verse 4, I am a laughing stock to my friends. That includes his own wife, right? As she mocked him back in chapter 2. He says he called to God and God answered him. That's an interesting statement. When did he call to God and how did God answer? We haven't really seen that in the book. A prayer life for Job in in the midst of this disaster and suffering has, has not been there. Some of his speeches perhaps have been in part directed toward God, um, but where we've seen that, it's been him wishing that God would kill him. So, I'm not sure where Job's coming from with what he says there in verse 4. Now, he admits at the beginning of verse 4, I'm a laughing stock, and really the second sentence says the same thing. If you take out those extra phrases in between, it still says, I am a laughing stock. This is a tough one, but this is something that as a parent, the more you can teach this to your child as they're growing up, the better. As Christians, we're not supposed to care. I know that sounds kind of harsh or weird. But as Christians, we have hope. We have hope that never ends. We have hope that cannot be taken away from us. I mean, read Romans 8, verses 35 to 39. Nothing can take Christ away from you. Read 2 Corinthians 4. Oh, which verse is it? Around 13 or 14, maybe. Where, where Paul says that he's going to go on speaking because the God that raised Jesus from the dead has promised he's going to raise him too. With all of us. Jesus himself says that the world will hate you, he'll hate us, because the world hated him. So the world hated him first, and because of that they hate us, because we love him. So... The Christian is not to care how the world sees us. Not in that sense. I mean, we try to put, we try to live our best. We try to serve the Lord in all that we do. We try to always glorify God in all that we do. And so we try to love our neighbor and care for our neighbor in those things. But if our neighbors think that we're weird, oh well. This is called peer pressure. It is huge, not just among kids. We talk about it, about kids and schools and, and things like that. And Come on, adults. It's big for us too, right? We want to be liked. That's not going to happen. So, again, the better you can equip your children for that is a good thing. Now, equipping them, how do you equip them? You just teach them. I'm not saying bully your kids and be mean to them. Um, we equip our kids. We teach them what God's word has for us. So fill your children with the word of God. Teach them not to be afraid of the world around them, but to trust in the promises that we have from, from Christ above all things. Job is afraid. 
Job is ashamed. He's despairing. And we don't have to be any of those things. Not even in the midst of suffering. Suffering, that's what we see in verse 5, right? In the thought of one who is at ease, there is contempt for misfortune. And this is, by and large, been the Christian church in this land for a long time. The last several generations. We have been at ease. And so when we see misfortune, we think it's a bad thing. We despise it. We try to run away from it. But this, this book has been this way, and I think, again, the church has been this way, of seeing no place for suffering in the life of those who follow God, whereas the scriptures don't teach that. Read Romans 5. Read the first five verses. Suffering produces, I don't remember the order, suffering produces character, character produces endurance, endurance produces hope, or something like that. And hope does not put us to shame because God pours out his spirit upon us. Do you want hope? Do you want to have hope? Do you want to have the promises of Christ that never end? According to Romans, it starts with suffering. Okay, then, let me suffer. Let me suffer so that I learn to trust in Christ. Just a very different outlook. Very different than what Job sees. Very different than what we normally talk about as the church, too. Verse 6, Job is looking at everything right now as though it's upside down. So the tents of the robbers are at peace. Those who would provoke God are secure. And yet he is not. He is not secure. He's not at peace. Everything's backwards. And you know what? In fairness, things look like that in the world a lot. It looks like the wicked get ahead. And that the, the man who is good and faithful is left behind. And that happens because this is not our world. This is a broken place filled with sin, filled with sinners. And even though Christ is in the midst of redeeming it, our world that awaits us is paradise. And in that place, Things won't look backwards anymore. Verses 7 and 8 point to creation, like Genesis 1. That even creation knows how God works and can teach us how God works. So verse 9, who among all these, the beasts, the birds, the bushes, the fish, who among all these doesn't know that Yahweh did this? can only say Yahweh has done this if we go with the perspective, the angle that God permitted it. Which he did, right? God did permit this to happen in the battle between God and the devil. Who is victorious? Well, God's going to come out of this victorious. It's going to take, again, we've got 30 chapters left here in the book of Job. God will come out victorious over the devil. And that is true of our lives as well. Verse 10, in his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. That is abundantly true. God has all things. All creation is his. 
Verse 11 is a a phrase that we can understand. So the palate tastes food and it figures out if it's good or bad. So the ear tastes words and figures out if they're good or bad. Um, but you have to train your ear. In a sense, I guess you have to train your palate too sometimes. But you got to be able to train your ear. That's again part of what I was saying earlier about teaching our children so that they know what is good and what isn't. Verse 12 is often true that with age comes experience. The more days we have, the, the more we learn. And then that gets packaged down into verse 13 with God. And you can ask your children on this one, how long has God been around? Uh, the word you're going for, depending on the age of your kids, um, you want them to get to the idea that he's always been there. Eternal is one word for that. No beginning, no end. Um, but if they say he's always been there, you're, you, you've, done, you've done the task. So because he's always been, he's had more days than any of us have had. So he has wisdom. He has understanding. Uh, he also has might and counsel. There's good praise here for, for the Lord from Job. And verses 14 and 15 are true. If God does these things, if he tears down, no one can rebuild. If he withholds water, things dry up. This is God's authority over his creation. Now, in fairness, there is one of these kinds of lines that is very similar that Jesus himself says, and we rebel against. Matthew chapter 19, Jesus talking about marriage as the famous line that whatever God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Man cannot divide. Unfortunately, we do. And we live in a culture that seeks to make that normal and has for a long time. Verse 16 With him are strength and sound wisdom. The deceived and the deceiver are his. Again, that points to the idea that all of creation belongs to the Lord. And here, I mean, really in this context of this book, the deceived would be Job and the deceiver would be the devil. That's one of the things we call him, right? The deceiver. The court language comes back. I haven't talked about court language, but it's been here through the book. And it's been a while since I brought it up. But here's some more of it here in verse 17. The counselor and the judge. And God brings them both low. He steals the authority from kings. So looses the bonds of kings. So whatever a king binds, you might think of a law or you might think of a prisoner. God can lose that. He has the authority to do so because he gave whatever authority that king had to the king so he can undo it. And it's not just civil leaders. Verse 19, he leads the priests away stripped. So he takes away their authority that he had given to them because of their faithlessness. Verse 20 shows an example, an illustration of God's judgment, that he can bring about destruction on peoples. And he can do so by turning their ears away from those that should be trusted, taking away discernment from those that they do trust. So if your leaders suddenly are, are fools, 
you're in trouble. And that can be a way that God brings about judgment. Romans 1 speaks this way. Verses 18 to 32, that eventually the people just get what the people wanted, which is not good. Um, Lord, please do not give us the desires of our hearts. Give us you. Give us your heart in our place. Take my heart of stone and, and give it life. Pours contempt on princes. Similar idea there. Verse 23. He makes nations great and he destroys them. Israel's an example that fits both, right? God made Israel great. They started out as one man, Jacob, and became as many as a couple of million when they left Egypt. Maybe a little more than that. And by the time they get destroyed, their numbers are in the tens of thousands. God will use one wicked nation to judge another. He's done this throughout history many times. And he still does. I mean, we don't know how the Lord works today. We don't have examples of it. He doesn't tell us that he uses one nation to topple another. But he did tell us that he used to act that way. And there's not much of a reason for us to expect that he's any different today in that regard. This is one where you can pick up on something else that's important to teach your children as they're growing up. Will our country that we currently live in last forever? The answer to that is an easy no. But a lot of times even Christians get confused on that one and we begin to make an idol out of the land in which we live and the people that rule over us. The book of Hebrews tells us we have a better country. The New Testament calls us exiles in this place, and we we need to remember that. It's not to say we disrespect the government that's over us. We're called to obey them, as long as what they say doesn't go against the gospel, in which case we obey God rather than men. We're called to obey our governors, but we're not called to trust them, and we're certainly not called to idolize them. We're called to love God and love our neighbor. So those are good things to instill in your kids as we talk about our Christian faith today. Verse 24 repeats what we've already been talking about. And we get this idea of, uh, in verse 24 and 25, of the, the leaders walking around in the dark, basically. And as you walk around in a dark room, yeah, parents, you know this. You're, you're liable to step on all kinds of things, get hurt, trip. And Jesus says something similar in the Gospels about the outcome of the blind man who leads the blind, how they will fall in the pit. So judgment and destruction being referenced here of the, the mighty, the priest, the prince, and the chief. The Lord alone is Lord over all creation. Verse 